I began writing what they call a mission statement. Not a memo, a mission statement. You know, a suggestion for the future of our company. A night like this doesn't come along very often. I seized it. What started out as one page became 25. Suddenly, I was my father's son again. I was remembering the simple pleasures of this job. All right. Ended up here uh, let's do this. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing. This is uh, podcast number, I don't know, number nine, ten, maybe? I don't know. That was my buddy, Jerry Maguire. Yes, it was. That's the movie we're featuring today. Uh, we watched it last night. Um, for those of you who don't know what this movie is, why are you listening to this podcast? You you say we watched it last night, but I watched it last night for probably the 48th time that I've watched it. And we it. actually watched it a little bit differently, didn't we? We did, because we watched the... Uh, it's not really a director... It, it is a director's cut? What's that called? Well, I think a director's cut is the movie without commentary. It's just a different cut of the movie. That's right. This so, is a director's commentary. So, But it wasn't just the director. What we watched was Renee Zellweger, Jerry, or excuse me, Tom Cruise... Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Cameron Crowe watching it together. Yeah, and, they and actually, it was a little entertaining. Yeah, and they actually showed their faces, and the small box was the movie. The yeah. most of the picture was them. You're watching them watch the movie. Right. It's kind of neat. So anyway. So, and they didn't like talk, they, they did talk about some things like, oh, you remember that day was tough or it was hot or it was 530 in the morning, but most of it was just them having a good time watching it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And you felt the love. Oh my gosh. That's the thing. Is Todd and I, first of all, for those of you who, this really has nothing to do with anything, but uh, Todd looks Sweetie, like... Sweetie, it wouldn't be our show if we didn't talk about <laughs> things that didn't have anything to do with anything. Well, Todd looks like Tom Cruise. He has for like the last 15, 20 years. And so we occasionally get stopped and people tell him or, you know, they'll say, oh, I thought you were Tom Cruise. Like he just hears it a lot. Um, and so we always have this interesting kind of back and forth about Tom Cruise because like he... he what everybody in the industry says about Tom Cruise, and when I'm saying everybody, the majority of the people who have worked with him, nothing but love, is that they he is an amazing friend, grounded, grounded, like so easy to work with, generous, um, supportive, and and not that that should be a. I'm so glad. Well, most big movie stars you would think would have a really inflated sense of ego, and you'd hear stories, bad stories about them. Well, and not only that, but he does have the Scientology history thing. Or it's not even history. He is a Scientologist, and and there is a lot of controversy around that. Sweetie, what do you know about Scientology? You're not a Scientologist. <laughs> I am not, but I tend I I know a lot about it. Um, just because I watch everything about it, not because of Tom Cruise. If 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 somebody came down and said, you can have the world any way you want it, would you like Tom Cruise to be a Scientologist or no. would you rather that he just be something other than a Scientologist? If what all these former Scientologists, and I've read every book, I have seen every documentary, I watched Leah Remini's whole series about you know Scientology and I happen to have experience with Scientologists. If what they say is true... Then absolutely, I don't want Tom Cruise to be a scientist. Yeah, it's 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 a there's an incongruity yeah. to it, and that's what I mean. Is I have never in my life not wanted to like Tom Cruise. I go to his movies, I do all that kind of thing. But it's so interesting. It, the, your word is perfect. This incongruence where it's like 
you know, you watch these Scientology things or I read these things and this is something he's so invested in and his, and his older children are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you see him like we did last night with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Renee Zellweger and Cameron Crowe. And he's so great. Yeah. And they love him. Yeah. Like they can't, I kept saying to Todd, they can't stop touching him and vice versa. Yeah. Touchy feely, grabbing love, hands, loving. and not what? What do I want to say? It's it's genuine. Yeah, it's not like for show. Yeah, and he's hilarious because he's sitting in a fishing hat. Yeah, I love that fishing hat. And he's so not. It, that reminded me of you because he doesn't. He's not like who I need to look good. Right. He looked like an idiot. He looked like hat. an idiot in a fishing hat. That's why fishing hats are awesome. Yes, you used to have a fishing hat. Yeah, I know. I need to get another one. Yeah, maybe we'll get you another one. So. Anyway, that's the that's the opening with regarding Tom Cruise that it was fun to watch him be playful and joyous with these people. So Jerry Maguire it had a budget of fifty million dollars. Any guess on how much it grossed? Let's go worldwide because that's a bigger number. Oh boy! Cost fifty. How much did they make? One hundred and fifty. Two hundred and seventy-three million. Jeez. Awards. Um, Nominations or awards. Awards. Okay. I'm, I'm about to list them. Okay. Um, best. Actor in a supporting role, Cuba. Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. They said Cuba last night. They were yeah, saying I know. Cuba. I just I don't know. Um, you want to know who he went up against? He went up against William H Macy. Okay, for Boogie Nights. No, for Fargo. For Fargo, that was Fargo year. That was Fargo year, and I love that um, that scene. Over this and over this. Yeah, but that true coat. I sat right here and said I didn't want any true coat. Yeah, but I'm saying that true coat. You don't get it. You get oxidation problems. It'll cost you a heck of a lot more than $500. You get oxidation problems, sweetie. Jerry. So William H. Macy. Okay. Um, Armin Mueller Stahl for Shine. So that okay. was actually right. That was for Shine. Ed Norton for Primal Fear and James Woods uh, for Ghost of Mississippi. Okay. And then Best Actor, our friend Tom Cruise, was nominated, but he didn't win. You know who won? Um... I don't remember, but I really hoped he would win that year. Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, for Shine. Um, so, you want to know the you, others real quick? Sure, go ahead. Ralph Fiennes from The English Patient. Rafe. Rafe. Sorry. Yeah. Even though it's even though yes. it's spelled Ralph. Correct. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson for The People versus Larry Flint and Billy Bob Thornton for Sling Blade. Oh, what a year for movies! It's a great, yeah. Um, but they. So wait, let's talk about those movies. Fargo. Yeah. Sling Blade. Jerry Maguire, Shine didn't stand the test of time, but it was good that year. You know, Jeffrey Jeffrey Rush won. And then what was the other one you said? Uh, I don't know, but I have the Best Picture nominees. Okay, let's hear Fargo, this. Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, yeah. Shine, and the thing that won it was English Patient. Did you see oh, English Patient? Oh, and that was Patient? the English Patient year. I sure did. Hmm. Interesting. Um, did, so, you, did you? No. Okay. It looked like a long, boring movie. Um, it was a good movie, but it's similar to m- many movies I talk about. I'll never see it again. Yeah. Uh, also nominated for best writing screenplay written directly for the screen, Cameron Crowe and best film editing. So, um, should I go into what could have been? No. Okay. I want to start with what we, uh, heard at the beginning. So at the very beginning okay. of the show, we were, uh, listening to Jerry Maguire played by Tom Cruise, read his, mission statement or his manifesto, whatever you want to call it, his memo. Um, and it's funny. I it was, was a mission statement. It was sweetie. a mission statement, but it is a manifesto because it's pages and pages and pages. And the reason I know this is because Cameron Crowe released it three years ago. 
Yeah, he actually he actually wrote it for the film. Yes. Obviously never disclosed it to anybody, yes. but he wrote it, I guess, just in preparation yeah, for it? Yeah, probably to get Tom Cruise to understand what he's writing and what he's feeling, and it's a character development thing. Right. I've actually heard before that actors, either the director, the writer, or the actor themselves will give themselves a huge backstory yeah. so they have a better understanding. That's all the stuff that we never see in the world of actors. Correct. It's not... It's not showing up and talking. Correct. As some of us might think it is. You have to know who you are before you embody who you are. Exactly. So anyway, so anybody, if you Google Jerry Maguire's manifesto, you'll find it. Um, did you read the 27 I pages? I did. Did you? Did you really? Well, you know the way I read. Yeah, you I'm like a look at every fourth word. Well, I don't know if that, I'm a bit of a speed reader in that way. So it's not great for test taking, but it's good enough for information that I need to get. But I thought it was obviously a lot of it he says he narrates it in the movie mm -hmm. um as he's going through it and what i think is so important about that manifesto is obviously it's a great character development moment so you kind of get an idea of how his mind works you know he talks about his father yep. he talks about dickie fox who we see a lot during the movie we talk about who he knew he was at 14 who he knew he was at 20 but now he's 35 yep. and he doesn't know who he is and not only is it about his thoughts and his character development, but it's also I I thought this was interesting what Cameron Crowe said last night in the in the you know the cut that we watched commentary. the commentary was that he and James L. Brooks who kind of helped him put this narrative together, their goal was to have a movie where the person the movie begins with the person having a breakthrough mm -hmm. because he said all the movies in previous years, early nineties and eighties, it always ended with the person having so the, the breakthrough. So basically they're beginning this movie where most movies usually end. Correct. And how, what happens when you have the breakthrough and then you have to live it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's more interesting. Well, in his breakthrough, he thought was going to change the company and instead he got fired from his job. Well, and in the, he, I kind of feel like it was like a stream of consciousness. And he actually says that where he just, his fingers were flying. He just was typing and it feels so good when you're just in the seat of your soul, yeah. where you're like, I know this is right. But then in the morning, your soul is still there. He had like a vulnerability hangover, in the words of Brene Brown. Huge vulnerability hangover where he's like, okay, now the reality has set in. He gets out for, he calls downstairs and said, did those memos go into everybody's inboxes? He finds out they did. Oh, they did. Uh, oh, great. <laughs> and then he walks out of the elevator and he tries to escape without it, being seen. It's a great moment. He almost tries to get back in the elevator. But there's a few parts of the manifesto. Obviously, these are just a few sentences yeah. I'm pulling out of 25 pages, but it's very interesting. He says, a life is not worth living if you are sleepwalking through it, because that is what feels like death. And then he talks about, um, you know, he, he says that is what causes our athletes to out of despair, get drunk and wrap their cars around a pole mm -hmm. or lash out at someone they love. Or that is what might have caused somebody to, you know, careen into, a, you know, another lane of traffic. That is the feeling of sleepwalking, of others living life around you, keeping their fists tightly wound around whatever dollars they can hold, caring little more than anything they can control. We cannot sleepwalk. We cannot just survive. Um, we can take control of our lives. We can wake up. Um, and then I'm going to skip over a lot of this. Let us start a revolution. Let us start a revolution that is not just based in basketball shoes or merchandise. I am prepared to die for something. I am prepared to live for our cause. The cause is caring about each other. The secret to this job is relationships. 
It's funny. It's beautiful. Well, first, Words of Wisdom by Cameron Crowe. Right. And second of all, it's interesting because we kind of have, we really don't know much about the mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 27 pages long. And the only, I, I, do you remember what the title of it was? Um, a, I yes. had a, it's something yes. to do with less clients. Uh, less, uh, less money, wasn't it? I don't know. Less clients, less money. I don't remember, but I it, it's at the top. It's on the front page mm-hmm. of the manifesto. And while you're looking here, for it, Tom, I, oh, I, you I, found I, it. Here we go. In a bag to a copy mat in the middle of the night and printed up 110 copies. Even the cover looked like the catcher in a rye. I entitled it, The Things We Think and Do Not Say. Mm. There it is. The there we go. And the guy that he gives it to at Kinko's is the lead singer of Alice in Chains. Is he the lead singer or is he a guitar he player? He is I the thought co-lead the singer. I thought the other guy who died was the lead singer of Alice in Chains. Or am I, no, that was Soundgarden. Oh, that was sorry. I mixed Chris those two Cornell. bands up and anybody who loves that music is probably yelling like, at you right now. Yelling at me right now. So it was, the, it was an Alice in Chains guy. And one thing that's really fun, just to kind of like broaden our perspective here on this being a Cameron Crowe movie, is there's a lot of things that make Cameron Crowe movies, but one of the biggest is music, right? Mm-hmm. And so as... It not only is music a big part of, you know, where he's placing the music and what songs he sure. chooses. Like he starts the show with uh, or the movie with this song. Did you like the song, sweetie? Well, I love the Who. So for those for those of you who don't know this song, it's Magic Bus by The Who. And you should know this song. You by the should. Way. And you know To get on the bus it takes me to you. And he brings this song back in throughout the movie. It's not the only time. It's almost kind of like Jerry's theme. Yeah. And he said that when Tom Cruise came over to talk about doing this movie, when he and Cameron Crowe were talking about doing it in his office, Magic Bus was playing. Yeah. And so he's like, this is the song. This is the movie. So I just dig that from Cameron Crowe because everything is musical in his brain. Well, and if you think about it, we've only done nine or ten of these podcasts, and this will have been our second Cameron Crowe movie. And we were going to do Almost Famous. And we are probably going to do Almost Famous sooner rather than later. So I had no idea I was such a big fan of this guy until we started this podcast. Well, and we have talked about, you know, uh, more on Zen Parenting Radio than here, but we've talked about Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which he wrote. You know, he may not have directed it, but he wrote it. Singles. We've talked about on Zen Parenting Radio. We've talked about singles. It's a big part of our life. Yeah. You know, him. And he, obviously, his beginning of his career was like almost famous. That's somewhat autobiographical. He was a writer for Rolling Stone when he was like, what, 16? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, came up in that world. And not only that, he, unfortunately, they're divorced, but he married Nancy Wilson, who is, you know, in heart. Mm -hmm. You know, she and her sister, Anne. So he was in that world um, and Nancy Wilson, by the way, from Heart, she did for Say Anything and for this movie did the score. Um, score yeah. yeah. So it's fun to listen to the songs he chooses because they're thoughtful. Yeah. They're they're meaningful. Like well, well, it always reminds me of that scene in Almost Famous with uh, Tiny Dancer. Yes. Like that's one of the more powerful moments. M- well, you just never see. There's always music in movies, but rarely is there music in movies where the actors are singing the song. Yeah. 
And in Tiny Dancer, they absolutely do that. And Well, and music brings people together, right? Yeah. Like in that moment, sorry to go almost famous for a second, but in that moment, they're torn apart. Yeah. They are a mess and, and they El- can't El- speak. And Elton John brings them back. And Elton John brings them back. And even this in the movie, when Tom Cruise is typing his manifesto or his memo or his mission statement, um, while they were filming that, they were playing the song that's playing mm-hmm. in the background. Yeah. So he... Tom Cruise was hearing that song as he was typing yeah. and he said it helped him just get into character so much more. And then obviously Cameron Crowe used the same song when sure. he put the movie together. Sure. So that's just kind of a, a fun way to watch Jerry Maguire is mm-hmm. just listen to the music. Yeah. Um, it really sets a nice tone. And just, I think Jerry Maguire for me, part of the reason I loved it besides the amazing acting and screenplay and the Cameron Cronus of it all, it brings together a lot of things you and I love. Um, music sports. and sports yeah. and entertainment and yeah. personality and relationships and, you know, a dramatic kind of rom-com with comedy. It's sure. like, it, it's kind of like someone said, what are all the things you like in a movie? Well, it's tough to pigeonhole uh, this movie. It is. It's not a comedy. It's not a drama. Um, but it's all of them. It's a dramedy. It's a dramedy, I guess. Yeah. Did he also do Vanilla Sky? Yes. And that bomb. Yes. I mean, money-wise, I don't know, but the fact that I didn't even see it. Yeah. That, and again, it's not just about Kathy, but to me, I would see anything he he would do. And so it I sounds like no Tom interest. Cruise liked him so much. He's like, oh, let's do it again. They're friends. Yeah. You know? And Penelope Cruz was in that movie, and he and that's when Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruz got together. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And then Cameron Diaz was in that too, I think. Was she? I think so. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, so what else do you want to talk about? So anyway... The other thing that was interesting about the manifesto was that um, it was actually based on a real-life manifesto by Jeffrey Katzenberg. Um, He was the head of Walt Disney Studios, and he wrote like a 28-page memo called The World is Changing, Some Thoughts About Our Business. Mm. And it was a very similar kind of memo, but the the article that I wrote, I think this was in the New York Times, it said it wasn't as articulate as the other, meaning it was kind of jargon, like let's let's do better and not more, and you know, things that really didn't people didn't hold on to very much. And he was a couple years later, he was fired (laughs) from Disney. And then but then he created DreamWorks with uh, Steven. Spielberg and David Geffen. Yeah, he did all right for He himself. did all right. So that's the beginning of the movie. So that sets it up. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and just tell us some things about it that we may not know. Oh, you mean random facts? Sure. Tell I us usually some leave things. random facts for the end, sweetie. Do you want to? No, uh, let's go. Uh, and I order them in from most interesting to least. So if you don't like these first few, you're probably not going to like the others. Uh-oh. Um, let's see. Two lines from the film, Show Me the Money and You Had Me at Hello, are in the American Film Institute's top 100 movie quotes, number 25 and 52, respectively. Okay, um, number one, I'll read the... So what are these again? uh, The top 100 uh, most famous movie quotes of all time. But you're not going to read 100 quotes. No, I'm going to read the top five. Top five. Okay, let's hear it. Actually, I'm going to read the movie. You tell me what the quote is. Oh, good. Gone with the Wind. Uh, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Uh, the Godfather. Uh, gosh, which one would be from The Godfather? Um, probably the cannoli one? I'm going to make him an offer he can't, can't refuse. refuse. Yeah, okay. On the waterfront? Mm, that's, I could have been a contender. That's exactly right. Yeah. You don't understand. I could have had a class. I could have been a contender. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen that movie? Marlon Brando. You know, with my aunt probably at some Brando's point. Brando's got two of the top three. Holy cow. Wizard of Oz? Um, there's no place like home. 
no. Okay. S- Let me starts think. with Toto. I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. I've got. A, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. And last but not least, Casablanca. Um, Casablanca would be the um, when he's walking away. <laughs> How's your brain doing today? <laughs> It's not good. Todd and I are like trying to keep our minds together. Um, tell me the Casablanca one so um, I can not blank out. Here's looking at you, Here's kid. looking at you. Thank you. All right. So anyways. Huh. Um, so did I pass that test? I pass on grass. I pass on grass. We um, should do that sometime. Uh, which one is? That's oh, Meet, the, meet parents. the Parents. Yeah, yeah maybe. Renee Zellweger's famous line, you had me at a hello, served as the inspiration behind Kenny Chesney's 1999 single with the similar name, You Had Me From Hello. In 2005, Zellweger married Chesney. I know. And they got divorced. Only to have it annulled after four months. I know. That was a weird story. They tried, sweetie. Well, it was a very... Who's Kenny Chesney married to now? I don't know. But it was a very strange story. Like, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of, like, hush-hush about what happened, who did it, you know, why. It was almost like there was something controversial. Oh, really? We never really got to the bottom of it. Mm. Um, You know, just on a side note, you might get into this when you're talking about other people who were supposed to play certain parts. Yeah, I'm calling that uh, that part of the movie what could have been, <laughs> or that part been. of this podcast what could have been. Well, before we get into that, because yeah. um, you're talking about quotes from the movie, yeah. the other thing that Cameron Crowe thought would be so huge from this movie was the Quan. Yeah. And it never quite made it never out. Never caught fire. And do you know what the Quan is? Um... The, Try and describe what you think the Quan is. He says it's money, it's the love, it's the community, it's everything. Or oh my something gosh, like good that. for you. Community, love, respect, and money. Mm-hmm. The Quan. So, and Cuba does a really good job of saying it. The, the way he does it in the movie is perfect. Um, but yeah, that didn't kind of, that didn't catch fire. People didn't talk about that. They just said, show me the money. Not quite. Um, I think I might have the Quan's part, but no. Okay. I'll play it later. Okay. Okay. Um, What could have been? Are you ready? Sure. Keep going. Edward Burns was the second choice to play Jerry Maguire. He was offered the role while completing The Brothers McMullen, which is a movie I've never seen. Mm, I have. But you've seen She's the One. Yes. I've been told Brothers McMullen is awesome. It is, but it's kind of hard to watch because it's not done. It it was done very cheaply because they didn't have any money. Um, It somehow got into a film festival and people were like, who are these people? But it's the same whole, it's the same crew from She's the One. Mm -hmm. So we love that brother. Um, Francis? Francis, yeah. Oh my God. He's really good at being unlikable. He is. Um, But Ed Burns declined. He wanted to concentrate on his own films. Because of She's the One. But see, I have a hard time believing that because Tom Cruise was probably the first person that they went to. They said Ed Burns was the second choice. But Tom Cruise took it. So I know, but I think the decline? casting director lines up backup Got plans. it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Um, Burns suggested McMullen co-star Connie Britton to read for the part of Dorothy, but she ultimately lost to Renee. Yes, and Connie Britton did an interview, and it could have been on uh, Sam Jones's podcast called Off Camera, where she talks extensively about that. Because oh, really? she, Oh, yeah. She was trying out for that, and it came down. She kept getting called back, called back, called back, and it was between she and Renee Zellweger. She was, you know, in the final two and she thought this is my break because this is pre-friday night lights this is pre-everything and she thought this is my break and it didn't happen and she it really sent her on a spiral yeah connie Britton's amazing yes 
you know, things always happen for a it's reason. Tammy Taylor. Like, Tammy Taylor. Um, so here's the other possible Jerry Maguire's. Alec Baldwin, Johnny Depp, Sean Penn, John Travolta, and Bruce Willis were all considered for the lead role. Ed Burns I can see, but the rest of them I cannot. These are, Alec Baldwin would have been way too old. I feel like it's always the same group of actors. Like they're it like, is. oh, I'll just get these 10 guys. It's A-listers, right? Um, Dorothy, possible Dorothy's J-Lo. Okay. Connie Britton, Patricia Arquette, Mira Sorvino, Marisa Tomei, Cameron Diaz, Bridget Fonda, Nicole Kidman, Courtney Love, Which Molly Nicole Ringwald. Kidman. That's what it says, sweetie. The internet doesn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> and Uma Thurman. Well, all I know is that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman were married, and they right after they wrapped this movie, he went to do Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. And that was kind of the beginning of their end. Yes. And I don't think it was because of the That movie. didn't end well, that, that whole marriage. Well, no. It's kind of an ugly situation. U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. You're ugly. Yeah. A lot of People Magazine covers put it that way. So um, what about what about Little Guy? Um, what about Ray? Jonathan Lipinski? Lepinkney. Lepinkney? Lepinkney. I don't know. Um, he's the cutest little guy ever to be in a movie ever. And they were talking about him and it just made him even cuter because they were like, he like smelled like little boy. Yep. Like they loved to smell his head. And they said he was so serious. Like he, the only thing he wanted to do was be on set and play with everybody. And they actually had to give direction to other people like who were in the crew mm. to not play too hard with him because he'd get too, too tired right. and they needed him like fresh for scenes. Um, but he is, he's like this show, this movie is really rich for many reasons. Um, like I think, uh, the relationships, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s performance, everybody's performance, um, Regina King, but that, this little boy is, um, he's special. Do you have some things? Yeah. Thanks. 72% of new buyers are African-American. I am African-American. Make the connection. You talk too much. No, no, no. Talking is only a primitive form of communication. It's fun talking to you. Bye, Rod. <laughs> Bye, Rod. And then here's the other one. Uh, same scene, just a little bit later. And then we'll be done with Jonathan Lipinski. I, my mom took me to the zoo, and I loved to do it. No, wait, wait, because I, I want to tell you more about my dad. When... No, let's go to the zoo. <sighs> okay, okay, I'm nodding you, right. <laughs> but I don't know, it's just my whole life I've been trying to talk. I mean really talk but no one wants to listen to me you know that feeling you, they just look at you they just let's really... go right now let's go to the zoo ready the zoo you know fucking zoo's closed right <laughs> By the way, it's Lipnicki, not Lipinski. That's what I said. No, you've been saying Lipinski. No, that's what I said. Do you know what he does now for a living? Uh, I know he's like some buff dude. Yeah, he's a mixed martial arts fighter. Is he really? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, he's cute. Like, if you look him up, like, he's a good-looking kid. Yeah, Google uh, Ray from Jerry Maguire and see some buff dude. Jonathan Lipnicki. But yes, he is. he's special in the movie. It's better, it's better than the story of the kid from The Toy, sweetie. With Richard Pryor. What happened to him? He turned into a porn star. Oh, well, 
Maybe he wanted that. Different paths. Different child child actors. Different strokes for different folks. That it's a it's a crapshoot. I like, love I love the movie The Toy. By the way, Richard Pryor's hilarious. Huh? Have you ever seen it? I have. It was on the movie channel a lot, so I think all of us saw it. I think back in the old days, we didn't have a lot of options, and like I don't know, The Toy was on whatever all the time. And I would just watch it over and over again. I know. it's It doesn't age very well. Safe to say we will not be doing that in pop culture. <laughs> There's a lot of things that don't age well. So I have a bunch of questions for you Please. about Jerry Maguire. Please. Do you think he's a narcissist? Um, I think he's evolving. Okay. I think he was a narcissist. Um, I think that he is, by the end of the movie, it's, it's, this whole movie is about Jerry's journey from being... A money hungry, you know, like when he's looking at the beeper when that one oh, when that kid little is kid to is him. talking to him mm-hmm. about his dad getting his fifth concussion mm-hmm. and he just has a complete disregard. So I think he was a narcissist when the movie began. Mm-hmm. And then he slowly started having some self-awareness. So I agree. Uh, he, he is evolving. But it is interesting, like just writing the memo and thinking everybody needs it yep. is a bit of a narcissistic. And that scene where he's like, no, no, I need to tell you about my dad. Yeah. Like he, he has a hard time seeing beyond his own thinking. When he's, uh, it's funny because to, I think only certain people could do this, but he's both likable. He's likable in this movie, he Tom is. Cruise. He but is. his character, if you think about it, does a lot of unlikable things. Very much so, which, you know, is kind of a good character to watch because that's human beings, yeah. right? But one thing that was funny that Cameron Crowe was saying about the movie is that he intentionally put Jerry in situations or put Tom Cruise in situations where he was always being confronted with people in love. Mm-hmm. And Jerry didn't get it. Like, he didn't understand. He couldn't, like, relate to, like, the couple in the elevator who say, you complete me. Like, just watch Tom Cruise's face after that. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't, he he can't relate to the relationship that Rod has with his wife. Yeah. He can't relate, he doesn't. So let's talk about that. Like, why is he incapable of understanding love like that? Well, let me play a clip. That, okay. So this is when they break up towards the end of the movie. Okay, okay. Before the big game that Tidwell is in. All right. Enough for both of us. I pretended that proposal by the car was real, and it might have just been a hypothetical. I did this. And at least I can do something about it now. I'm not a guy who runs. I stick. Well, I don't need you to stick. What do you want? I don't know. My soul or something? Well, why not? I deserve that. What if I'm not built that way? I think we made a mistake. Oh, listen, what if it's true? It's great at friendship, bad at intimacy. I mean, come on, it's the theme of my bachelor film, for God's sake. So that is, so he's waking up a little bit because he's understanding who he is in this world and who he is as somebody that has up until that point been incapable of true intimacy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about loving yourself or loving another and being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been able to do that yet. He doesn't have his, he actually doesn't wake up until Rod has his big Monday night football game true, and wants to celebrate it with somebody else. And he realizes that there's nobody there. 
Right. And then they go into... And also just being able to love Rod. Yeah. Because this is one thing that's important about this movie is there's love stories in many places. There's the obvious love story of Jerry Maguire and Dorothy Boyd, but there's a love story between Rod Tidwell and Jerry Maguire. There's a love story between Jerry Maguire and Ray. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there's a love story between Dorothy and her sister. There's a lot of love stories. and Or in the love story between Rod and his wife, which is amazing. Yeah. They're like the gold standard. They are, and they are tough. Yeah. They take care of each other. He's tough, too. Yeah. But when they're in business negotiations, she is on fire. Yeah. And she's on fire for him because she loves him and sees him as the man he is, which is worthy. Yeah. Um, And she speaks up for him and vice versa. Um, He loves her for, you know, for all of her gifts. And so it, um, it is the gold standard, and there is... The waking up process, I think, is not just because of Dorothy. Mm -hmm. I think it's all of those relationships that he forms and breaking away from all of those um, unhealthy relationships. Like Avery. Correct. Like being an agent in this big, huge agency. Yes. Being with Bob Sugar every day. Yes. Let's talk about Bob Sugar. Oh, he's, he's he's another good villain. God, he's really good at just being somebody you don't like. Well, and it's funny. Do you like Jay Moore? Like, what do you think? Um, That's the actor who plays Bob Sugar. Didn't he have a breakdown or something at some point? Oh, I don't know. I feel like he had some serious personal issues that he has since come out of. Oh. And I don't know if it was mental wellness or if it was drugs. But anyways, um, I loved him in this movie. Yeah, me too. And there was a movie I loved called... Picture Perfect. Yeah, and he was or in that. Or Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. No. Uh, no, not. It was the Jennifer Aniston. I know which one you're talking. And Kevin Bacon in that G- too? Kevin Bacon is in it. Yeah. Um, And it was, actually, it's not like it's a great movie, mm-hmm. but it was kind of a 90s movie, right. Friends um, era, and it just kind of was easy to watch. It's called Picture Perfect. There you go. That's what it is. Um, But yeah, and Jay Moore was on SNL too. Yes, he was, I but I don't really remember season. him from that. No. Here's a part from uh, Bob Sugar, I think. You okay? Fine. What's up? Came here to let you go. Pardon? Came here to fire you, Jerry. It's real. You should say something. Mm. It's an uncomfortable moment to yeah. say the least. And I think Bob Sugar's getting kind of a kick out of it. Yes. Because if Jerry's not at the agency, mm-hmm. then Bob Sugar's probably Right. Jerry the helped guy. build it. Oh yeah. yeah. So upon his departure, James uh, Bob Sugar moves up. Moves up. Yeah. Exactly. So he's, you know, that's an interesting so basically Jerry has enough love and intimate relationships. Cause some of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm are really simple ones where he and Rod are just walking and having conversations. And Rod is being a good friend, like asking him good questions and they're being super honest with each other. That's intimacy. Yeah. You know, Jerry, think about, like, let's go back a scene at the very beginning. Remember when he's sitting on the plane and he's having that conversation with Allie Wentworth, who, you know, it's the plane scene where Renee Zellweger's in coach and he's in first class and... He's talking to Allie Wentworth, who we found out that Courtney Love tried to be that role oh, yeah, last that's right. night. Yeah, and she, Allie Wentworth, got it. But he's talking and he's telling the story, and it's so not genuine the mm. way he's telling the story. Oh, yeah, he's a showman. He's a showman, but his conversations with Rod are real. Do, or, you, have a, do you have a good 
Yeah. Clip? Okay, go. Inspires people. That is not what inspires people. Just shut up. Play the game. Play it from your heart. And you know what? I will show you the quant. And that's the truth, man. That's the truth. Can you handle it? It's just a question between friends. You know? Oh. And when they call you shrimp, I'm the one who defends you. I want to be friends no more. <laughs> Fine. And quit using that word, quant. That's my word. I'll see you in L.A. No heart. No heart? I'm all heart, motherfucker! Now, that's not really the best uh, example the of the scene, friendship. Right. But I'll tell you something true about that. There's an authenticity yes. in what Tom, uh, what Jerry Maguire is saying to Rod Tidwell. Because yes. it's easier just to kind of just be surfacy. Right. And they find themselves in this like relationship where they can hold a mirror up to, to one another. Other. Because Rod Tidwell does this for Jerry Maguire in his marriage. Yes. He's like, you're not in love with her. What are right. you doing? You got to be honest with her. Um, so that's it, that's what I want my friendships with other guys is like, can we have authentic conversations where we're not just like appeasing each other. We're actually lovingly holding up a mirror to them and say, this is what I see. You might need to look at this. You shoplifted the pooty. I did not shoplift <laughs> the pooty. So in, with that said, did you, do you remember the first time you saw it? No. Okay. See, I do. And I didn't feel the Dorothy Jerry love. But it wasn't that the point? Well, I didn't... It's funny because listening to Cameron Crowe talk about it last night, he's like, oh, this was the moment where I was like, you guys are a couple. Yeah. And this... I'm like, I didn't They not. were never a couple until the very end, if you think about it. Totally. Like, even the scene where they go to dinner at the Mexican restaurant, yeah. I feel it's so forced. Mm -hmm. And again, that's good screenwriting and everything because you're supposed to realize that... Dorothy's trying to, they're both trying to get something. Yeah. They're getting a need met, but it's not the most authentic. Yeah, she's a single mom who's need. looking for a partner who's uh, somebody who can help her raise this young man. And just be in partnership herself. Yes. And she is it, but even like what she says about him in the kitchen, where she's like, I'm, you know, I love him for the man that he, he is and the man who he almost who he almost he is. is right she doesn't say for the man he is yeah. can you play do you have that clip i can try to find it because that's the thing is the way she said it it's kind of like saying i'm in love with this person's potential like what about right now mm -hmm. do you love this person right now and again masterful screenwriting right. because what they're trying to say to us is that they're both trying to make something out of something that isn't there mm -hmm. quite yet i don't know if this is going to i want to try it okay Men are just different people when they're hanging on to the bottom rung. Maybe I am taking advantage. Does that make me a bad person? Huh? Look, all I know is that I found someone, and he was popular and charming and not so nice to me, and he died, okay? So why should I let this guy go? Why? When everything in my body says that this one is the one. Take it easy, all right? I was just looking for a few fun details, that's all. Oh. Well, why didn't you say so? Well, I don't know if you're interested in this one little detail. Yeah, I'm not. But I was just about to tell you uh -huh. that I love him. I do. I love him. I love him. And I don't care what you think. 
I love him for the, for the man he wants to be, and I love him for the man that he almost is. I love him, Laurel. She loves him. For the man he wants to be, mm-hmm. and for the man he, he almost, almost is. is. Sounds like he's not ready yet. It sounds like he's not the man, he's not who she wants him to be at this moment. She's in love with the possibility of him. Which is a very, not to go ZPR on you, <laughs> but I think a lot of women try to... Uh, hook up or connect or marry a man and see that and they take it they they take responsibility for trying to fix this man mm-hmm. when men do that too don't you think there are men who of course try there and lift are. up right of course there are but i think that there's a lot you know I, I just know i was one of those immature guys uh-huh. and i think a lot of women try to um grow their husbands up mm-hmm. very quickly mm-hmm. And if the husband's not on board, it's not going to happen. Or so they're not married yet. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is people fall in love. They're a couple. Maybe they're considering what's our next move. And, and one she of- judges whether or not she's going to marry this guy, not based on who he is right now, right. but based upon who he, he could possibly, could possibly be. be. And that's... There's nothing wrong with it, but it's also kind of dangerous. Well, it can be dangerous. And, and, and there's m- many specifics, uh, people I know specifically who I could speak to, there was red flags and danger, but also sometimes there's a roll of the dice, Todd, because when you, when you and I got together, you were not who you are now. And I remember we're in my apartment and you long story, but I was going to invite one of my buddies to move in (laughs) because my other buddy had moved out. Uh And it was, if, if anybody else were looking at our situation, it would be very obvious to that person that it's time for us to consider moving in together. You know, we're or getting our, married. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we're in our late 20s. We've been together for a few years and then I had this great idea of inviting Marty to be my roommate <laughs> and you're like, "Where am I in this equation?" Right. And if you didn't say that, if you did not stand up and say, "Listen, this isn't going to work if Marty might live with you for three more years." Right. Where am I in this equation? Right. So, I'm kind of like you're flip-flopping I'm what flip-flopping you said flopping what I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just like we see on the pot, on ZPR, it's everything's nuanced. Well, and that's the thing is because in this movie, it's very obvious that they are not meeting each other on a genuine level. Yeah. His relationship with Rod is more genuine than his relationship with Dorothy. Yeah. There's a lot of like, he's still kind of salesman-ish with Dorothy. Yeah. She's still hoping for something. Um, and, you know... So in that situation or in a relationship where it's like, well, I don't really love him now, but maybe I'll love him later, right. that's dangerous. But if you're in a situation or in a relationship with someone who you're like, I know that we have a genuine love for each other, but this person is not considering me yeah. in their plans, then I hope you're speaking up. Sure. You know, the reason that I think you could hear that in the moment or a few days later, however long it took you, is we did have a genuine relationship. Yeah. Like, you weren't like, oh no, you're just my girlfriend. I'm never considering this. No, I needed just... a, I needed a kick in the ass. Right. So there, to your point, Todd, you just said this. We talk about this a lot on Zen Parenting Radio, by the way. Um, if you didn't know, <laughs> most people do, but we have a podcast called Zen Parenting Radio where we talk about relationships and self-awareness and, and some pop culture. We've too. done about 500 more episodes of that <laughs> than we have of this. Yeah, we've been doing it for nine years. So, but you know, it is nuanced. There is no like, if a guy hasn't done exactly what you want him to do yet, he's going to be a loser mm-hmm. because there's also scenarios that the guy looked pretty darn good mm-hmm. and acted very genuine and you know, people, then you found out who he was. Exact, or he didn't go. He was doing fine, 
and then it didn't go the right way five years later. Like we can't guarantee anything. That's why it makes me nervous. We have three daughters and whoever they partner up with. There's no guarantees. It's all a roll of the dice. It is. And even at the end of this movie, uh, one of the things that was mentioned in the watching that we did last night is that when, when the movie ends, you don't know if Rod is going to be able to sustain the career mm-hmm. that he has, mm-hmm. you don't know if Jerry and Dorothy are going to make so this, it. So this is my uh, installment of what happens next. Okay. So, so what do you, so to your point, like, what do you think, I mean, forget about the Hollywood ending of it. Realistically, see what I think happens to Rod is he has a great Monday night football. And as long as he stays healthy through the end of the year, he's going to get a huge contract. Okay. So I think Rod is going to be fine. Now, the only thing about the NFL, and not to get too specific, is NFL is famous for not having non... They have non-guaranteed contracts, which basically means it's a five-year deal, but if you get get hurt after two years, we don't have to pay you the other three. Whereas Major League Baseball, the union is much stronger, so you get... Uh, much more guaranteed money. Got That's it. just the way it is. And in football, you're more likely to get hurt than if you're in baseball. So it happens all the time. So Got it. I think Rod and I'm going to say Regina King. What's her name? Oh, what's her name? I'll look it up. But keep going. Um, Rod and his wife. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, Marcy. Marcy. I was just going to say a game. Rod and Marcy are going to be fine. Right. Uh, Their relationship, I Jerry, am Jerry's an infancy yeah, of, of intimacy. I think you got to flip a coin with these two. I know. I know. It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. It doesn't mean it's not going to work. It just means that he is at the beginning of his intimacy journey. And there is a lot on the line. Yeah. They work together. They have this son. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously when it ends, you hope that they Jerry adopts uh, oh, yeah. Ray no, as a no son. Brainer. Um, what about Laurel? What's her deal? Is um, she just turned off to men? Like, is that all? What's with the group? What's with it's all a divorced those, women's group? But, um, but Renee's not divorced. Is she in the club? Well, Laurel's divorced, right? But is Dorothy in the club because well, she's not divorced? No, but she just lives with Laurel, right? Laurel so she's and just Dorothy. Have but everybody else is. Mm-hmm. It, are there things is called divorced women's clubs? Sure. Well, it's group therapy, hun. I mean, this isn't shocking to you. I have a women's circle. We I know, may not but talk about not, divorce, but, but, but they're centered just on di- they're divorced. Well, you know, there's bereavement group yeah. therapy. There's how you popular know, is it? Like, do you know anybody in a divorced women's club? Well, sometimes it's turned. Uh, it's not called divorced women's club. Oh. It'll be like a group for single women, yeah. or a group for single moms, or a support system for single parents, yeah. or newly divorced. I mean, there there's always opportunities yeah. like that for people who are struggling. It's really not that crazy at mm-hmm. all. Like there is. That's what. I don't think that, like, I don't find, and, and I'm not, and you're not saying this, but I don't find any humor in the divorced women's group. Like, they try and bring out some humor and yeah. say some funny things. He actually said, Cameron Crowe said that all the women in that in that divorced women's group are comedians, mm-hmm. except for his mom. His mom is the one with the hat. Um, but he he just had them be comedians so they could be they could improvise yeah. and have easy conversations. But that's good mental health mm-hmm. is when you are struggling with something to find other people who can normalize and validate your experience is really good for your emotional well-being. So what do you think happens with Laurel? Well, it's like, do Jerry and, you know, Dorothy stay living with Laurel? No, no, because uh, um, Cuba is going to get a big contract 
which means Jerry's going to get a lot of money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I thinking? So they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. That's right. And everybody then loves Jerry because he's the, the personal relationship guy. Right. You're right. So they would get their own One house. quick thing about our friend Jerry, uh, no, Jerry, uh, Jonathan Lipinski. No, Lipnicki. I think it's Lipinski. Honey, it's Lipnicki. They um, called him Lipnicki through the at whole At the thing. very end, you see him throw the ball. Yeah. And he throws it like over the fence. And, every, and all the guys are like. Just so you know. He he's a little young. He's a young man, but he doesn't know how to throw. So the, are you ripping on a small child right now? It's just not realistic. Right, that's all. It's just a good like. It's a good moment, right? But teach the kid how to throw a baseball, right? He's just it's wrong. Well, maybe because he's so little and no. he shouldn't be in organized sports yet. Maybe Jerry was just commenting on the fact that he's got some. No, no, strength. the kid throws the ball a long way, right? But you can't throw as far as he did with the form that he had. Movie magic, Toddy. Movie magic. Movie magic. This is what um, we like about movies. Is there anybody else that we need to think about? What about uh, the jazz musician babysitting? I guy? love him. He's great. He's. This is what I mean. I love when a movie's rich, where there's just little pieces that come in, mm -hmm. and just like there's moments that you can watch because they're like fun. Now, are we supposed to believe that he loved Dorothy? I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't, I didn't catch see it, that. but I feel like when we were listening to the commentary last night, they, they were alluding that. to that. They were like, yeah, he's sad because he's going to lose Dorothy. I'm like, I never thought But he you would, th you know, Renee is an attractive, Dorothy's an attractive young woman. The jazz babysitter is, I, I think, a single guy. Uh, you would think that, yeah, he, he would probably have a crush on her. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I d but when I picked it, you know, when I watched it the first time, I didn't think that. And so... I had to, in like closing the question that I asked you 30 minutes ago, I didn't feel them, which maybe was on purpose. And so when the end came and he was like, you know, I love you and, you know, you complete me, I was kind of like, eh, like I didn't. I didn't fully buy it. Mm -hmm. Like, because there's so many movies that people are perfect together. Like, you know, when Harry met Sally, like, that's great. We live in a cynical world, a cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me. And I just had... Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. Hello. I love this movie, but I don't. Th those are cheesy lines. They are. They're both cheesy lines. And I, I feel like I'm ruining this movie by saying this because this is the pinnacle. This is like the moment we're all supposed to be like. Yeah. I just. It, it's not that I thought it, it was well acted. Yeah. I love that they end up together. It just is. You got to make a huge leap from non-intimate Jerry to really well. Self-aware, so conscious Jerry. This is my. I'm. I'm connecting two dots. Okay. Billy Crystal at the end of When Harry Met Sally. What happened there? Like, why all of a sudden did he realize he loved Sally? That's what. That's why I said When Harry Met Sally is different because I felt them together. There were moments yeah. in that movie, like the Pictionary scene yeah. that you love so much with the suspenders. <laughs> with the suspenders, like. They're jealous of each other's partners. Mm. You can tell, you can feel it. And they also are so perfect together. Mm. They're such good friends. 
where would Jerry and I mean, the, the scene I always think about is think about right before Marcy goes into labor. Yeah. And they're sitting there at the pizza place. Yeah. And, you know, they're Rod cracking, and Marcy. They're cracking the, the crab legs. The crab legs. And, Mar you know, Marcy and Rod are kissing and they're so sweet and they're so natural. And Jerry can barely put his arm around, mm -hmm. you know, his wife. Yeah. He and Dorothy are married at that point. It just is so. But it, here's the thing. I feel like that is deliberate. It's weird because I Rob know, Reiner did I a know. good job Rob of Reiner. Rob Reiner. Oh, in when did Harry a good job in when Harry met Sally, um, kind of pitting Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan against each other while at the same time believing that they can be together because they were best friends. Whereas Cameron Crowe, I agree with you. I didn't believe the chemistry between these two yeah. romantically didn't click for me, but I don't think it was supposed to. But then when he switched, did you feel it? Like not I, like I did with Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Me too. And and that's the thing is the hard part is is I do believe that Jerry, when Rod had the big night, was lonely yeah. and wanted to share that he just had a big night with somebody. Yeah. But am I like soulmates? I, right. I don't think so. Like I think they're building up. But think about that. Me and you got married 17 years ago yeah. and we we're in love and all that. And, and all if, that. if I look <laughs> at who we were together 17 years ago, we kind of compared to now yeah, barely knew each other You're, good point like on our honeymoon like we knew each other for like six years before we got married yeah it's kind of a long story but just anybody on their honeymoon like you barely know this person even if you've been engaged for two years like you don't really know them that well. You love them and you're willing to venture into life right, with them. Exactly. But you don't know life until you've been in life right until you until it hits the fan Got it. So when life hits the fan, that's when the rubber meets the road and you see if if this is the person for me. So good and okay, I've got a good analogy here. You know how it's really not an analogy, wrong word. I've got a good an interesting point, I think. So you know how Cameron Crowe said he was starting the movie with somebody who had realized had an awareness had an awareness Woke and a had a breakthrough yeah. and usually that's the with end a of mission a, statement with a mission statement he had an awareness he had a breakthrough and that's usually the end of a movie and then he ended the movie like it was a beginning of a movie well, i don't understand okay he started the movie like it was the end of a movie Right? Because yeah. usually the breakthrough yep. comes at the end. Yeah. But, but wasn't he, there a breakthrough at the end of this one too? Well, a little bit, but the end, we, they're, they get together, but we don't know what's going to happen right. to them. So it's the very beginning. Right. It's the beginning of another movie. Yeah. Which I guess any stage of life is that. Any movie has to end at some point Sweetie, and it goes on. Red and Andy build a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Shawshank too. <laughs> Red, Red and Andy build a hotel. Build a hotel. If they would have only done that, that was my that was my favorite part of last week's podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you guys like Shawshank Redemption, go back a week. It was it was a good one. So, in closing, I don't know if you have more details, I do. but this is one of my favorite movies. I have a lot of good memories from watching it, and also bad ones. Like when I had the flu a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I watched Jerry Maguire like eight times because mm -hmm. we had it taped on the DVR. Yeah. And I would just put it on because I knew it so it's well. one of those movies you can watch over and over, like uh, Harrison Ford and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Fugitive. Fugitive. Who doesn't love the Fugitive? We have to play at least this clip. Okay. Yeah, what, what, what can I do for you, Rod? You just tell me what can I do for you. It's a very personal, very important thing. Hell, it's a family model. Ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. 
Show me the money. Um, so much in that scene. Yeah, you gotta like it you gotta watch to it. see it. But yeah, that's like the most famous. So one first ever. of all, before he does that. He's on the phone with Jerry. As you know, Jerry's got all these calls waiting because he's trying to hold on to his clients. But Rod keeps talking. Rod walks around his entire house mm-hmm. and kind of narrates what's going on in his life. It's just perfect. And his brother is kind of with him yeah. on the whole way. Yeah. And his brother's like holding a football. And from we heard from the commentary last night that that Cuba p- picked that song yep. too. He that was the song he wanted playing. And for some reason, that scene cracks Todd and I up over and over again. As cliche as it's become, you have to look at all the details of how, what he says, how he says it, the brother in the background, and even look at Marcy in the background. Yeah. She is cracking up. It's a wonderful scene. It's That's an that's an Academy Award winning scene to yes. me. Is it's not, Academy Award winning is not always about the drama. No. You know, it's about how you play a scene like that. It's so Well, that's why good. it was cool having us get some recognition because it's not your typical Academy Award winning film. Well, he had some drama moments too, though. Of course. Like really right. good ones, but yeah. Um, and then we ha- we can't skip this scene either. Breathe, Jerry. I am out here for you. You don't know what it's like to be me out here for you. It is an up at dawn, pride swallowing siege that I will never fully tell you about, okay? God, help me. (laughs) Help me, Rod. Help me help you. Help me help you. Help me help you. You are hanging on by a very thin thread. <laughs> and I dig that about you. <laughs> I dig that about you. No contract? I help me. I help you. Help everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. That's but it, it keeps going. Right. It's... <laughs> that's, my, that's my man. Hey, I'm happy to entertain you. Help me. Help me. <laughs> Uh, help me help me it's just a great and again intimacy between two people he i think jerry says three times in the movie i'm glad i entertain you yeah like rod points out his jerry's dramatic flair yeah and again i'm not saying rod's appropriate by laughing in his face i'm just saying that it's it's like well what they said was that's I think the audience wanted to laugh about how ridiculous Jerry Maguire was acting. Right. So Rod gives us permission. Yeah, Rod does that. Um, w- a few other things. Um, the parts of Dorothy and Jerry were originally written for Winona Ryder and Tom Hanks. Yikes. Hanks was unable to commit to the, because he was working on that thing you do. Oh, yeah. I like that movie. So do I. Ryder was able to commit, but when she screen tested, uh, screen tests were done with Tom Cruise. They looked like brother and sister when standing together. I could understand that and here's a quick uh, shout out to uh, winona ryder <laughs> Wait, are you insane Look, no, something going... happens to me i don't make it back yeah, well, then i'll go you stay are you kidding me he's my son hop my son i'm going you took my boy away from me <laughs> you left him in that place to die you faked his death 
Joyce. Joyce. Joyce has a tough three seasons. Is a freaking badass. She's hilarious. I seriously. She's Mama Bear. Is she, what she is Mama Bear. I after the first season, I got my sister the Funko Pop of Joyce because yeah. my sister's like Joyce is my spirit animal. Yeah. Like she is. And again, for those of you who don't know, this is Stranger Things, which yes, is when Nona writers come back. But Joyce, I really think the season where she's just like, wow, is season one. Yeah. She with the lights and everything. Nobody yes. believes her. Well, and then, then there's that spoof about the magnets. The magnets. Yeah. My daughters have this funny thing that they found. It was on YouTube. It's like how frustrated she is about the magnets and how many times she speaks to it. A few uh, last things regarding random facts. Eric Stoltz's character in this film is Ethan Valhir, sweetie. Okay. That's his name. Remember that name. Stoltz also played a character named Valhir in Say Anything. Of course, I was going to say, I actually wrote down on this piece of paper, it's the last thing I haven't done, is Eric Stoltz is always this like extra yep. in Cameron Crowe movies. Yep, he likes him. Uh, Tom Cruise did not remember that Bonnie Hunt was in Rain Man. Did you know that she was in Rain Man? Yes, she was the waitress. At first he thought she was joking when she said they had worked together before. Yeah. Uh, Cuba and Regina previously co-starred in Boys in the Hood. Oh, interesting, yes. I've never seen Boys in oh, the Hood. Oh, Todd. I know. I that's, know. that's a shame. I know. I got to see it. It's hard. Do you know it's how a, it it's a ends? Tough, no, I don't. Okay. It's a tough, it's a tough uh, movie. Cuba claimed that women come up to him all the time and say, "My boyfriend never shoplifts the po- the pooty." The pooty. <laughs> um, Jonathan Lipnicki. There you go. Showed up on the set one day, telling everyone that the human head weighs eight pounds. So Cameron Crowe wrote it in. How much does it weigh? Eight pounds. It does. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I'm I just didn't saying. know if he was right. No, I have no idea. So there's a whole bunch of other things. That's actually our favorite scene. I'm surprised you didn't pull that one off. I know. When they're in the car. Yeah, I know. It's a good one. But, you know, Paul Abdul helped Cuba choreograph his touchdown dance. Yes. Uh, the hit that knocks out Tidwell took 29 takes and three different stuntmen to get it right. Okay. So that was obviously not... Cuba appeared in what with Tom Cruise other than... Um, this movie. Uh, before or after? I believe it's before, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think Jerry Maguire was after this movie. Huh. I don't know because this was Cuba's breakout performance. So uh, what did maybe he... Maybe right. It was A uh, Few Good Men. Oh, A Few Good Men was after this, wasn't it? No? I don't know. Wait, who was Cuba in A Few Good Men? He was one of the soldiers that testifies. Ah, all right. Along with the guy from ER, Noah Wiley. Yeah, I remember that. All right. Um, Bonnie Hunt says the toughest part of this movie is playing a character that doesn't like Tom Cruise. Right. Pretty likable, I guess. Right. Um, next week, or next, our next installment of Pop Culturing is going to be what, sweetie? Why don't you play something from it? Why don't I do that? It's much more fun that way. This, I, I Todd said, what do you want to do next? And I thought we got to like give a shout out to all of our Gen Xers because... Uh, we need a movie from the 80s really bad. <laughs> Sweetie, it's Man in Motion. <laughs> and you know it happens at the end of this video. Growing up, you don't see the writing on the wall. Sweetie, sing. I did. Sing louder. No. Passing by. Moving straight ahead, you knew it all. You're reading lyrics, I can tell, because you don't know anything. Feel the pain. It's changed. 
kind of want to just keep talking until the chorus. It's funny. I remember, I can't remember if this was sophomore or junior year in high school, but Manisha got this cassette tape and like half of the thing was just instrumental. Yeah. But we just loved this song. And then there was one other that was big. There was two songs on this soundtrack, but anyway. There's only one song, sweetie. (laughs) And this is it. watching the video no it's the lyrics kind of doesn't make sense um but what's funny you guys is this has nothing to do with the film really but at the end of this video with john parr john parr by the way yeah remember he also sang no naughty naughty yeah he sang naughty naughty no he only sang that song no he had other songs anyway at the end of the video all the characters from the movie, like all the actors, are just standing around, and he's walking we around. We should make everybody to who's going to listen to that podcast <laughs> watch that video first. All you have to do, if you don't want to see the, it's got a bunch of it's scenes the most from the movie. Uncomfortable video shoot right. ever. It's such an '80s thing to do to have a video where you just have the characters from the movie and the person. Like the there's another one, the Running Scared video, the Michael McDonald. Yeah, like he's got Billy Crystal. I love and Running Scared. Jeffrey, what's his name? Uh, the tap dancer. The tap dancer. What's his name? Gregory Hines. Gregory Hines. Thank you. Um, James, there in the James video. Crawdaddy. James Crawdaddy. James Crawdaddy. All right. We got to go. Okay. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, tune in to Zen Parenting Radio. Yeah. For goodness sakes. Tune in to Zen Parenting Radio. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to Pop Culturing if you haven't already. And look into our Zen Parenting Conference that we have. It's February 28th and 29th. You'll love it. Lots of self-awareness, pop culture. Um, We have fantastic keynotes, and our theme is there's more to the story. It's Lollapalooza for parents. That's what the Chicago Tribune told us. All right, see you guys.